Hey, Jamie. Hey, Susan. How's it going? Good. Just got back from vacation. Yeah, I know. We haven't recorded in ages. Yeah, yeah. I was out of town visiting family, and then I got back, and I noticed there's uh, signs up for the election coming up already. I'm, it's before Labor Day. I know. It's really kind of weird. I don't, I don't, I hate to say, do I say it? Do I say it's a little tacky? I don't want to offend anybody, because I like a lot of the candidates. Well, with the district issue coming up, right? I think it's going to be a very important election. So yeah, maybe you know, maybe signs should go up this soon. Well, maybe so. Yeah, maybe so. We'll yeah, see. yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a good one. Six seats, nine candidates so far, but uh, we still have what two, three weeks, three weeks left before September eighth. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and school starting up, kids getting ready for school. Yeah. I imagine a lot of listeners are getting ready for that. So. Yeah. Some interesting stuff going on with NCPS. We're yeah, gonna try yeah. and talk about coming up. So when I was on vacation, my phone blew up because I guess there was a bunch of protests at the Montgomery County School System regarding certain policies. So I hope we get to talk about those in the future. Yeah. yeah. Working on that. Trying to find some people who will come uh, talk to us about it. So, um, but today. I'm very excited about our interview today because we like to talk about food. We have someone who we can spend an entire hour talking about food with. It's pretty awesome. So I'm just going to introduce and welcome Stefan from Pop-Up Poutine. And I am so sorry, but I cannot pronounce your last name. That's okay. Okay. Beauchesne. Beauchesne. Yeah. Okay. Uh, French-Canadian. French Canadian. All right, so tell us about yourself, Stefan. So, are you from Quebec? Yes, I am. But just before I start, when you said you came back from vacation and you surprised to see, I thought you were about to say you surprised to see Halloween decorations already. <laughs> so, I was at Sam's Club the other day and thinking, oh no, please, it's August. But anyway. Yeah, not um, quite ready for that yet. Oh God, no, I'm not. Um, so, yes, I'm from Quebec, Montreal more specifically. I moved here in 1990, so I became a citizen eventually, but for the longest time I just had a green card. So what brought me here is, is a job. So we basically um, just, I found a job um, and then I just decided to take it and they moved me. Back then it was so easy to get a temporary work visa anyway for professionals. And um, just slowly went from there to working for the NASDAQ stock market and then went to work for the World Bank and then started my own IT consulting company and then eventually realized that what I really really would like to do is pastries. Mm. As a little kid I wanted to be a baker and didn't go in that direction, got my MBA in finance instead. And so started to do cream puffs, eclairs, macarons, those kinds of pastries. And so um, went to farmers markets, realized it's fun, it's not paying the bills though, so went back to doing uh, my IT business until 2019 when I decided you know what let's just do it and so decided to uh, rent some commercial space in the kitchen and start producing pastries I was selling them as pop-up patisserie back then so we were at the Kensington farmers market and we were at various uh, wineries and breweries around Saints Row Brewery for example which used to be in Rockville and I moved to Gatorsburg True Respite, um, Seven Locks, you know, places like this, and in wineries. And then one thing led to another, decided that we wanted to bring our Canadian slash Quebec food here, which is thing. And that's where it all started. So that was uh, early 2020. 
All right, I am going to, I'm sorry, did you want to ask a question? So two questions, I'm always curious with people. Uh, so you said a job brought you to the States, did it bring you to Rockville? Um, not specifically, it was a, a telecommunication company in D.C. Right. So did, do you live in Rockville now? No, we no. live in uh, Germantown. Okay. So we were in Bethesda and we'll Kensington. Forgive, we'll forgive you for that. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm going to just put this right out there. I am completely ignorant of Canadian culture. What I know about Canada, I learned from the show Letterkenny. <laughs> Would you like to enlighten us about Canadian culture and foodways? Give us sure. a, a, a crash course in that. All right. So... It's not all about maple syrup, which we're, Quebec is the number one producer of maple syrup in the world. Uh, it's also about um, a lot of immigrant foods that took root in, in Montreal. And, and actually, frankly, a lot of the food we sell actually had origins in a Jewish community. So smoked meat, which is basically Montreal's version of a corned beef pastrami hybrid, is a very popular item. You, you have it on rye, you have it as a Reuben, uh, so it's similar to a corned beef sandwich, but kind of a notch above as far as we're concerned. Montreal bagel, which is um, which is something we used to make. We're slowing down the production a little bit because it's very, very um, uh, labor intensive. But a Montreal bagel is more artisanal looking. It's produced a little differently. It's boiled in sweet water and then baked in uh, high temperature ovens using uh, toppings that surround the whole bagel as opposed to just being on top. There's a big argument between what's the best bagel in the world. Every region has its own. I prefer Montreal, that's where I'm from, um, but you know, I could bagel to good bagel. And then and the, the, the one that people associate Canada the most with is poutine, which is also from the Montreal region. And it's basically fries, fresh cheese curds, and gravy. That's your basic poutine. And then you can add different toppings to it, making more of a meal by adding protein to the vegetable. And, and then, you know, uh, we were talking offline with uh, Jamie and I about Nanaimo bars. Mm. Those are desserts. We do butter tarts as well. Those are more from Western Canada. Uh, and so we we make as many Canadian-related things as we can. And we even have a Montreal-inspired fried chicken because we use uh, Montreal's big bison. So the name Pop-Up Poutine, you, I'm assuming you, you either have a food truck or you were setting up in stands and locations? Correct, yeah. So the, we started with Pop-Up Patisserie. So when we brought in the Poutine, we decided to call that Pop-Up Poutine. We actually trademarked those two names. And then we, we were really into it. We still are. And so we would get our food truck because that you can't just pop up without any fryers. It's pretty complex. And same places I mentioned before, we would just go inside with a table and a, uh, you know, just with our display of our pastries. We would go now with uh, our food truck. And then we bought a second one. So they both look exactly the same. And that allows us to get to different places at the same time. That's great. You were talking about um, Canadian culture as largely immigrant culture. Mm -hmm. What about First Nations cultures? Or, or how is that reflected in Canadian food at all? Or is it kind of like the United States where perhaps we've lost a lot of that culture? Unfortunately, yeah. So uh, by immigrant food, I mean, French Canadians were there 500 years ago. So, right. so it's a lot of it is the newer, what we would call newer, like last 100 or so years. Um, there's a lot of very Quebec specialties that my mom would make that we tried to integrate and it got a little, people weren't really receptive so we took it out. So there's this uh, pate we made with 
ground pork, which is to die for, almost literally probably. <laughs> it's so fatty, but it's so good. And that's called a croton. Then we have a meat pie called a tourtière, which is beef and pork. We used to make ours with just beef. And it's a nice meat pie that we have usually during the holidays. Um, and there's like beans and there's all kinds of stuff that we decided not to, except pea soup is another big one. Um, that we decided that we're not going to add and just kind of focus on those three items that yeah. I said before. And as far as um, natives, uh, Canadian native, native yeah, uh, there's really no food, unfortunately. That now things are changing. Again, I've been here for a long time. People are finally realizing that First Nations, that's what they're called in, in Canada, we're there first, and you know we we should embrace their culture and so that's now becoming more of a, a phenomenon but not really when I grew up yeah. unfortunately. So I, I guess I'm going to ask you this, how long have you been in the Montgomery County area? Uh, since I moved to the U.S. so 1990. Alright so so I'm assuming over that time you saw a, a, a place to have this type of food but you start up in 2019. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming starting a food business right before the pandemic has turned out pretty easy. Oh yeah, I mean, it's the best decision we've ever done. No, but the thing is, because we were mobile, it really allowed us to be able to pivot very quickly. So it was really hot in those early times of the pandemic to have food trucks go to different neighborhoods. And then they were invited by either the HOA or the community association or whatever it is. And then we would do really well because people weren't going out anywhere. There's really no option. There's so much Uber, Uber Eats you can order. So um, they would have a program where they have different food trucks coming in every few days. And so that allowed us to, to basically ride the pandemic. Without that, we would have had to close. So, so let me ask you this. I know, because I've come across you um, at initially the Pike Kitchen and in our offline conversation, it felt like that was uh, the first time you went in a hard building. Mm -hmm. And so kind of walk us through that to get us to where you're at now. So the commissary kitchen that we got in Rockville here in August 2020 was really meant to be a place to park our trucks, to prepare our food, store our food, and, and you know, do it in that uh, you know, environment where we could even decide to do Uber Eats and DoorDash and all that. So we created a little storefront, which is still in existence today, actually, and that's where all the drivers come in to pick up their food, and that's where you can drive it in there. And that's your location on Fisher's Lane? Exactly, yes. So let me ask you that. You've been in there since 2019? August or? 2020. Do you know what was there before you? Yeah, it was a catering company. Yeah. I just asked because there's yeah. a lot of people who listen who've been here for a long time. Oh, yeah. So they reference like older yeah. businesses, right? Um, so and I hear before that was even a sandwich shop. So that space has existed since the 70s, I right hear. Right, right. And yeah. so for the folks that don't know, you're right next to some HHS buildings and in a shopping center that has been around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I think there's like a, a dentist, I think, in there. And there's Omega a, Recording Studio next door to us. Right, and like yeah. a coffee like a coffee roaster distributor yeah. Um, yeah. in there so yeah, in case yeah. people are looking for yeah. you it's an interesting location it's across the street from NIAD yeah. uh, which is the um, NIH yeah. Institute of I should know yeah yeah I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure yeah but yeah it's an NIH right yeah. and so and you guys now have a walk up yep. walk up business and Absolutely. so walk us through that a little bit so we're open uh, 10 to 3, so just after we do all of our catering prep and we open the doors to the public, uh, we do a lot of third party delivery and there's a few people local that, that come in whether they live locally or they, they work uh, around there as, 
as the building starts you know, welcoming more and more people, they then decide to uh, you know, figure out what else is there around here. Some people haven't been to the office in three years. Right, so yeah, let me ask you a little bit about that because I, I said I, I first saw, saw you in a different location as uh, the pop-up routine, but then I came across Rice Around the World, which, yes. you know, I, I love this concept and I've eaten it now a few times. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, sure. So that's actually an idea that uh, we were tossing around, even as we we're both, both weaving, my wife and I was partnering in my business, um, tossing ideas, food ideas, back in early 2000s. And we said, wouldn't it be great if you could go somewhere and have rice bowls that are representing, rice is staple around the world, that are representing different cultures. And instead of generally a rice bowl is conceived to be usually either Mediterranean or, you know, Asian, South Asian. And so we thought, well, there are rice bowl cultures all around the world. So we thought, wouldn't it be great if it would be a one-stop shop? I feel like an Indian butter chicken today. And then my friend or spouse or whatever feels like a teriyaki chicken. There's no place you can get both at the same time. So we then, after our experience at Pie Kitchen, we thought, let's just refocus Let's go back to our roots, and then now let's start this rice around the world concept. So that started in almost a year ago. So how did you pick the dishes, the bowls that you decide? Because just so folks sure. know, I've had your butter chicken, mm -hmm. I've had your chimichurri steak, which is amazing, and I've had your Montreal fried rice, which was amazing. And I'm, I still have to have the bulgogi, which I really want. And I know you have a vegetarian yes, we do. dish on there, Indian, I think, and, yeah, uh, and a few water. other items. So how did you come across those dishes? Um, there's a few I had in mind when we first came up with the concept, but basically we sat down with our, our kitchen team and we said, all right, you're from Salvador. What El Salvador? What kind of rice dish would you propose? And then, oh, you're from Peru. What kind of rice dish would you propose? And then we would start building upon that. And then we'd say, okay, well, let's try. Everybody knows what bulgogi is, well, not everybody, but I'm on our team. And we said, well, let's try to come up with the best bulgogi bowl we could. And then we built a menu of about a dozen, 14 or so dishes. And um, it, it's been an amazing adventure. And I think we're still going to continue coming up with more. So yeah, let me answer about that. Cause, so you're going to have like potentially specials that you try yeah. out to see? Yeah. I have an idea for you because oh, I ate there and I saw a few of the dishes you have, which I understand why some are there. Um, but one that you should consider yeah. is uh, Cuban pork. Oh, I love you can pork. do rice. Yeah, you can do beans, black right? Beans. Black yeah. beans. Yeah. You can do the Cuban pork, yeah. right? Maybe yeah. a plantain or something oh, yeah. in there. Yeah. So and you can do either fried it's pork. Cilantro on top would be beautiful. And I don't know anything about running a business, but my assumption is you cook the pork the night before and you just serve it the rest of the day. Pretty much it. Yeah. So, yes. so just because if you do that, I'm eating there <laughs> every day. Every day. And watch out, because he'll want to cut. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Jamie Bull. Yeah, just, yeah. just an idea. Um, no, no, but it's pretty amazing. And, and uh, you said you do delivery. Are you are do Uber drivers and those type of drivers come to you, or are you sending the drivers out? No, yeah. we use only third party deliveries. Only third party. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I usually just since I live so close, yeah. I just do pick up yeah. myself. So yeah. I feel bad that I haven't eaten. At your restaurant, but we don't. I brought them, so why don't I think about it? Oh, that's okay. See, we closed at three, so I didn't think about it. Yeah, and okay. that, uh, it would have been cold. Yeah, we we need to either we don't eat out. We cook a lot. We don't eat out as much, uh -huh. but 
we don't also don't have a little one at home. Jamie's still got a, a mm-hmm. little one. They're busy. They're so, busier than we are. Yeah, or yeah, you, that's a nice word for saying lazy. No, <laughs> no, I remember <laughs> what that was like to have a seven-year-old in the house. It's too busy. So let me ask you this: I also work in that same area. Mm-hmm. You said you found that location in 2020, mm-hmm. meaning you're moving in in the middle of the pandemic. Absolutely. And just based on my experience, you probably haven't felt the lunch rush nope. to the potential that it has in that area. Mm-hmm. Just talk, talk, talk to us a little bit about that, because I know there's a, some local businesses one under in that area just because mm-hmm. there weren't people there, and there's some new businesses that I think are kind of waiting. Mm-hmm. So if you want to expound on that, because it is an issue in the D.C. area. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, everywhere. Absolutely. So frankly, if we were counting on foot traffic, we would not exist. So the food trucks is what, <clears throat> for a long time, helped us riding everything. So we were making most of our revenues in the food trucks. Then the word started to get out, especially with rice around the world coming in there, it's two different menu options. Then we started to get more deliveries. But what we're doing now is actually most of our business now uh, is on-site food service at government buildings. So for example, we're doing a NIAD conference food service Thursday and Friday this week. And so what that will be is we come in with four rice bowls and then people just reassemble it on the fly with them. We set up our uh, in their cafeteria and then we assemble themselves and then about 90 different attendees. And so we do that at the Pentagon. We do this at various Department of Labor, Department of Interior. I could go on a long list. That's what's really keeping us. We do two or three of those events a day. Right. And, and so, I mean, just kind of a general more discussion point in the Washington Post recently, there was an article that said that a recent study showed that federal buildings are only at 25% capacity mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? Where I can tell you just based on experience, on any given day other than Friday, before the pandemic, those buildings were probably at 80% capacity. I believe it. So if we ever make it back there, I'm assuming that would be good for you. Oh, that would be excellent for us. <laughs> absolutely excellent for us. Um, again, I think you have to try, and when you're in business, especially a small business, you constantly have to look at different ways to do something. And and we're so <clears throat> sorry, we're so small that we can pivot very easily. I don't have a board of directors, I don't have any of this. Me and a few and a couple other quote senior managers in the business, all we do is think about what should be the next move. And well, the next move we actually started today at NIAD, we opened their coffee shop. So they have a coffee shop inside and they've never used it because they built it just before the pandemic and then everything shut down, we took it over today and we started selling coffee and and, oh, and pastries. And the Nemo bars. Yeah, and the Nemo bars, exactly. And so, again, it's something that if you are very strict in the way you operate, you would say, well, that's all thought of our competency. Not really. Coffee and pastry. I think you have to, I mean, it seems to me that the people who have survived the pandemic, the small businesses that have survived the pandemic are rooted in good business practices, mm-hmm. but which allows them to do that kind of creative pivot and the the dream big mm-hmm. because they are rooted in in solid foundational principles of business and that to me is where your business background and your finance background probably came in quite handy yeah probably <clears throat> i'm usually not constrained too much about um the food itself i have other people to worry about that i'm thinking i'm a logistics guy how are we going to get from point a to point b the most efficiently uh, most efficient way and the cheapest way and so any idea that helps us to do that I'm all in and I'll study and study and study until we figure it out 
And so I don't have the bias of 20 years or 30 years of food experience, which might put some blinders on me. And I think that that is an advantage. I mean, I've got a heck of a good team. I've got a sales guy. We call it the sales guy. He's VP of sales now, officially. And Steve Goldfine, he's the one that helped us get into NIAD in these places. So I've got people that can do things like this. And we just hired somebody who has 10 years experience, Kava and Tata, Tate, sorry, uh, who uh, comes in allowing us to do things like, yeah, sure, we can do coffee, no problem. We can do espressos, cappuccinos, and all that. And you have a good team, get good people, get great cooks, and that allows us to be, yeah, you want to do something? Let's put on the menu tomorrow after we tested it a few times. Do you ever, I'm sorry, Jamie, no, 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 no. do you ever go in and have an Anemo bar and say, this is absolutely not how I would have made this? Like, do you ever, is that hard sometimes coming, being, loving to bake and mm-hmm. then having to turn that over to somebody else? It was like that early on. I got to tell you, I was making everything myself, cream puffs, declares, um, bars, butter tarts, macaron myself, mm. all self-taught. Um, I did take some culinary classes uh, at l'Académie Cuisine, actually, mm-hmm. which is closed since, but I took their pastry course there. So, yeah, it's it was hard early on, but frankly, if you want to grow, that's really the only way to do it. You've got to train people and uh, trust them trust to verify, and I do a lot of verification. (laughs) Let me ask you about kind of a fun question. For anybody listening who wants to impress people at a party, Mm -hmm. uh, would it be easy for me to pick up like 20 Nanaimo bars? Like, do I have to give you, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, I didn't know until last week, and I had one, and it's one of the most amazing. And you fell in love. Yeah, I did. Like if I wanted to pick up like twenty, is yeah. that easy? Yeah. Like easy everyday order to fill. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. We th- that is a, a staple for us. We bring it at all of our uh, on-site food service events. Right. So and they're they're very popular. Have you ever had one too? I haven't, but no. I think we're gonna order. No, it's one of those things. Like I looked at it, and I I'll be honest with you, just looking mm-hmm. at it and looking what's in the recipe, I didn't think much, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. then I ate it, and it's one of those that you eat, and you're like. There's no one in the history of the world that's ever eaten this and not like this. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, right. It, it's, like, it's amazing. Yeah, 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 without a doubt. Well, he he had me a graham cracker crust. Yeah. So really most people say that actually. It's, it's funny. Kind of graham yeah. cracker crust, man, is better than regular pie crust. Yeah. And we won't talk about me trying to bake a pie at Thanksgiving and. So this is a big question because yeah. your first like business gap. If a critique of Rockville in the Montgomery County mm-hmm. area, particularly North Bethesda, is that we make it very difficult mm-hmm. for new businesses mm-hmm. to get going. Mm-hmm. What, being a person who started a new business recently, mm-hmm. what's your experience with that? How would you answer that? Is Montgomery County, Rockville area a hard place to start a business? I wouldn't say the problem from a business license or uh, getting the business help or anything. I didn't really need much of that and getting a business license pretty easy. Where I found the difficulty lied was in the health department. And with Rockville, you have the the added uh, layer of the city of Rockville having its own health department. So being right outside, as we talked about earlier, allows me to just have the Montgomery County license and not have to worry about Rockville City per se, but we've actually done an event for the City of Rockville employees where it was a employee appreciation to brine our food truck and all that. And it was no issue because we're licensed already, but you have that extra layer where you have to file extra paperwork. And the paperwork is mind-boggling when it comes to health departments. 
and that's just not Montgomery County. So, for example, we're supposed to have, um, well, it's going to be a bit of an announcement in a way, so we're working with FedEx Field to have a concession mm. area there. So it's going to start with the food truck and then build into an inside key, uh, concession stand. Well, that's in PG County. So you would think, well, PG County, Maryland County, we're all in Maryland. We is actually Department of Health of Maryland is the one that controls all the rules for health-related um, businesses. Uh, food-related businesses. So, however, because our commissary kitchen, which is our kitchen at Rockville, is not in PG County, we basically have to go through as if we had no license whatsoever. Hmm. So I have to go get a completely different license starting from scratch as if I was starting my business from scratch. So FedEx Field, their overall concession operation does not cover the small businesses no. located. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, another question I have, because this is an area where I have no experience, is so is there a difference with the licensing when it comes to a food truck versus a hard building yes you've had that transition yeah we actually have two licenses well it's more complicated than that. so that the kitchen itself whether it serves to the public or whether it's just the kitchen where you prepare your food is called a, a, um, a food service facility license then you have to have a mobile food license for every truck trailer whatever you have um, that you that you own and when you're going to sell uh, food. So we have three trucks, so we have three mobile licenses. That's just for Montgomery County. And then we have reciprocity licenses with Frederick County, Howard County, and in Virginia. So all of those are hundreds of dollars plus, plus tons of paperwork, and they all expire at different times. I'm constantly having to renew licenses and send paperwork. That is the number one problem that I have. Wow. It's really, really hard. Now, if you're just going to be operating one spot in one area, then no problem. But obviously, being a mobile business, you've got to be everywhere. Right. So based on just your contacts with other people in other states or jurisdictions, does do you know if we do it differently? Then are there states that okay. may have a better way of doing it or at least making it easier for businesses? So Virginia is a lot easier okay. because you get your one license from the state of Virginia. And now the inspector will be in a different county, but that is applicable to everywhere. Uh -huh. Except for Northern Virginia, which is a little different. So you need a license for Fairfax County, if you want to operate there, Alexandria City, and Arlington County. But the thing is, because we have Fairfax, then that is actually anywhere in Virginia. So you only need one. So it's as if, if I had my Montgomery County license, I'd be able to work in Howard County, Carroll County, and Frederick County without a problem. But here, all of these counties require their own licenses. It's something you learn really quickly. Right. Yeah. That would be very, it, it seems like you have achieved some of your success through scale. Mm -hmm. You're still a small business, but mm -hmm. you do have, you've got more than one truck. It seems like if you only had one truck, that'd be really onerous to try and, and afford all those licenses and just the time to mm -hmm. afford the time to take care of them. Yeah. But with scale comes a lot of issues, labor. Right. So during the pandemic, you can get anybody to work because they either had, uh, they were changing their minds into what career they want to be. So a lot of people went back to school or did something completely different. And so finding people was extremely difficult. Just when we were trying to grow, we couldn't find anybody. So that was very, very difficult. It's a little easier now. So I posted a job recently for to expand our on-site um, employee lunches uh, program. I think I got 20 applicants in one hour. 
So things are changing. But for two, three years, it was really hard to find anybody. You post something, you have to, basically you have to bribe people to come and work for you. Right. I just want to say that that is my dog whining in the background. She just randomly does that. Yeah. She's fine. Um, she's staring yeah. at them. She is. She's, yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, con- I don't want to call it a controversy, but a debate folks have had here in this area, and I think it's becoming more of a nationwide debate, is the use of third-party like food ordering hmm. services. Yeah. I've I've just read, just my layman, common man understanding is that some businesses, some food businesses love the third party and some people hate it. And so my question, just without talking about a specific website, is just your general thoughts on those type of services and apps. When I tell people I'm on those third party delivery, you know, Uber Eats or that Grump Hub channel, they look at me and say, why are you giving them part of the money? Do it yourself. Sure, but how do people know we even exist? When you ordered from us, you went on Uber Eats or, or right, one of those, one of those right. and then uh, you searched and you saw rice around the world. What is this? Good. I'm going to check it out. Um, and uh, sometimes we have to even do promotion and ads. So not only are they taking a big percentage of the sales, 20-25%, they, uh, in order to be ranked high in search results, got to pay for that. It's a pay-to-play game. So yeah. I mean, is this something I want to do forever? I'd like to be at a point where people know us enough that they'll just go directly order from my website. But even me, if I, as a consumer, want to go find some food, my first reaction is not to do a search from Google and trying to figure out, I go on Greece or DoorDash or Grubhub, and I compare which one's got the better deals. And, and, and I'm, so I'm on, when I'm on the other side, I feel guilty and thinking, I'm doing what I don't want people to do to my business. But it's just the way it's going to be. It's the path of these resistance. As a consumer, you're going to try to find the easiest way to get your food, and it's using those third-party literary. So we actually embrace them. I go all in because we wouldn't be able to, if I would only count on my website orders or walking traffic, we'd make nothing. So I do have, so kind of switching gears, um, part of this podcast Susan, you always talk about the future and about Rockwell. Right. So you being in a small business, uh, what is your, uh, what do you see for the future of this area in the food restaurant business? And I ask that because I've noticed, without naming other businesses, I've noticed a couple other businesses pop up that started as food trucks and found a space where they can house the food truck and have a front. Mm-hmm. And so it seems that, you know, at least I've seen a, a few more. What do you see in this area? Well, that's a normal progression for most people, actually, because a food truck is much cheaper, even though it's not cheap. You know, the average food truck will cost you twenty-five or thirty-five thousand on the very low end, and so it's not cheap. And then you still have to have a commissary kitchen. There's insurance costs, more from each company than have employees. So there's a lot of that, but it's a lot less of a commitment than having to um, find a space, commit to five-year lease and have all these expenses related to that. So you can just rent space somewhere, a restaurant or a catering company that doesn't need their space seven days a week, and you, if they let you park your truck there, great. So that's a great way to start, and in some ways that's how we did it as well. But I didn't have any aspirations, and I still don't, of having a sit-down, typical restaurant with waiters and all that. I think that there's a there's place for that, but I think that's changing with this whole digital world that we're in and able to order 
uh, on the phone and anytime you want and get your food delivered within 15-20 minutes. You've got the concepts of cloud kitchens, which we really don't have any in Montgomery County. True cloud kitchens, which is um, kitchen half the size of this space we're in, where you would um, all everybody is, has their own with the door and the key, and everyone is a separate business, separate restaurant business, and you don't even realize when you're ordering that you're actually ordering from the cloud kitchen. There's nothing wrong. It's all legal. If they're all health inspected, everything is right, but nobody can go there and pick up their food. It's all done through third-party delivery. That is that is what a lot of people think is the, is the future. Even large chains, uh, QSRs, which are quick service restaurants, they will have a tiny little restaurant with basically just a pickup window and a drive-through. That is going to be the future for these chains. Now, how is that going to be happening in Montgomery County? I'm not sure, but I don't think we'll escape that. I think we'll we'll have the same phenomenon that's flying here. Right. Yeah. yeah. So before we forget, yeah. tell us the name of your website again, yeah. where people can find restaurant in the world or pop up poutine. Or so uh, pop up poutine is actually the taste of Montreal.com, and rice around the world is rice around the world.com. Right. It, it just sounds like you've got a, a great business model and Thank the you. ability to pivot quickly. And I think you're right. I think uh, what's what we see coming is just, just more flexible, more options. People mm -hmm. people really want more options mm -hmm. and not just fast food or a sit down. They want that. Yeah. For any of our listeners, I will tell you, restaurant in the world is really good and the quantity of food is amazing as well. Oh, thank you. So, because my wife and I both order and then we have to keep some for dinner because oh, we can't finish it usually. Okay, so mental yeah. notes. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. Good. Um, so, well, one way we like ending a podcast, right, is any deep places. Oh, make it. Well, I thought you were going to say making fun of you for playing pickleball all the time. No, where do you, I was going to ask, where do you like to eat when you're not eating at your own place? I actually cook a lot, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, that's probably because I don't cook much where we are and I love to cook. Um, I do these these uh, these meals, these meal kits. I love meal kits. You don't have to think much. Uh, I don't know if I to mention brands, but you know, HelloFresh and, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. and Marley Spoon is my favorite actually. Um, and so this this is my way of this. So when we're done here, I've got I know I've got a, a meal kit ready for me at home, and it, you do everything yourself. It's fresh, love it. Yeah. That's what I do. I don't eat out. All the fun without all the planning and thinking and so, all that. Yeah. yeah. So, so on the podcast we do always end with any place we ate new, right? Mm -hmm. Me and Susan mm -hmm. ask each other because we like to go out to eat a lot, and uh, it brings community. Talking about mm -hmm. new businesses, and my family, we go out to eat every Friday. It's family dinner night. It's nice. like a new restaurant, mm -hmm. and we go. And I've been avoiding it because I didn't think it was going to be good because mm -hmm. of its location. But I finally ate at the Thai place in town center. Oh, Thai I, chef. Thai chef. I call it the new one because there used to be a Thai place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember that. It was good. I've I heard. Was, yeah. I was shocked because that because there's so many good Thai restaurants yeah. mm -hmm. in Rockville. It was really good, and because it was Friday night, we got to listen to the music oh, in town nice. center. Oh, nice. Town center music's not back to the attendance it was before mm -hmm. the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Don't understand what's going on there. But it's really. Good. Good air. And this Friday, we're going to eat at El Pisico final. Oh, I love El Pisico. Oh, I haven't eaten there yet. I love that place. So I'll have a report at the next podcast. If I, if we were going to be in town this Friday, we would join you. 
because that's on our list. We have eaten. I don't think we've eaten any place new recently. I I David was out of town last weekend, and when he goes out of town, I go to Kim N or Ken M. Kim M. Thai. Kim Thai in the Ritchie Center, and I get a Brussels sprout salad and a tofu larb salad, and that is what I eat for like two days. It's so good. And I can eat tofu, and I don't have to listen to David complain about it. Yeah, no, I eat there a lot. What I do is, and hopefully Kim doesn't listen to this one, but I go there, I sneak out at lunch. I mm-hmm. say I have an errand to do, and I'll sneak by there. Really? <laughs> I have something to eat. Don't you? Annoying. Why won't you pick up something for her? Well, I don't want to spend that much money. Oh, my God. <laughs> horrible. I can't. I am looking for it. We are going. We are actually leaving the city of Rockville this Friday. We are going to Mount Savage to Appalachian Evening at the Evergreen Heritage Center. And they've got bluegrass and a traditional mountain meal. It, we're, well, we're looking well, forward to yeah. it. Yeah, it's really different. Yeah. It's really a little different. Yeah, and then after, next weekend, I have to, I'm going to just. I'm just going to sneak in a quick braggy mom moment here. Our son turns 21 and gets his class ring at West Point the nice. following weekend. So we nice. are going up. We're going to spend yeah. four days up there. We're excited nice. with him. Buy yeah. him his, buy him. I wish I could say we were going to buy him his first beer, but it will not would not be true. Obviously, right. <laughs> and uh, But we're excited about that. Well, it'll be his first legal beer. Yeah, legal beer. yeah. yeah. it will be. You know, Quebec is 18 years old, so I had my first legal beer a long time ago. I went to LSU when -hmm. Louisiana still had 18 as a drinking age, so it was was just different. Yeah. Different time. All right. Well, we'll talk next time. Yeah. We'll definitely have a lot to catch up on. I know we've been slacking this summer. Yeah. All right. We'll be back at it. We've got Zola Shaw we're going to interview. Um, and we have uh, David Miles. We don't have him scheduled yet, but we're talking to him about when he can come on. We'll keep contacting candidates and see if they want to talk to us. And a really interesting guy, Scott. Oh my gosh, I have lost his last name. It starts with an M. I don't know. But one thing we forgot to mention is your interview on uh, the I Hate Politics podcast yeah. with Sunil Dasgupta. Anybody who hasn't listened to it, I advise you to listen to it. It was wonderful. Thank you. If you want to know about the future of Rockville and what the city might look like, I would listen into that podcast. Sunil is a really good interviewer. He's a um, political science professor, and he was really he's great to talk to. He's very engaging. And I think I sounded like he's a, a lunatic, he? but hmm? he's at USG. He's at NBC, which yeah. part of USG? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My wife's a librarian there. She mentioned that hate politics podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. He does a really good job, and he he's much more professional than we are. <laughs> it is that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but thank you, sir. Yeah, for thank you so thank you much. Yeah. It was really great to meet you. Uh, great, great talking to you guys. Thank you. Yeah.